I am joined by returning guest, special guest, Scott Ritter, former UN Marine Corps intelligence officer, as well as the former UN weapons inspector. You can find his work at scottritterextra.com. Scott, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. It's, uh, you know, it was tough enough to uh, find time for a normal life, just talking about the uh, situation in between Russia and Ukraine. And now they've thrown in uh, Israel and Hamas with the potential, depending on what uh, what uh, um, Hezbollah does to Martin Nasrallah says in his speech, uh, this this thing could uh, could explode uh, beyond anybody's wildest imaginations. This could become a uh, problem bigger than your worst nightmare. And it's, um, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, and look here, I, all I'm doing is sitting on my butt uh, thousands of miles removed from these, uh, these, these two uh, tragic uh, situations. Um, can't imagine, you know, cause Ukraine's been off the, you know, it, just because we're not reading about it, just because we're not seeing it doesn't mean it ain't happening. There's a major war going on right now. Uh, between Russia and Ukraine, a major conflict that has hundreds of thousands of heavily armed men facing off on a very extensive front. Uh, there's continued bombardment of, uh, you know, the civilians in Donetsk. Uh, the, the Ukrainian civilians continue to suffer because of the consequences of this action. Uh, billions of dollars continues to be squandered. Um, but nobody's talking about it because we've got this new um disaster uh you know unfolding um what's going on in gaza is just i mean it, it's a crime on a on a school it, it, it danny i I'm, I'm going on i know i'm going on you asked a simple question and i'm and i'm probably getting way ahead of the script here but just people need to understand that when when you say what's going on in gaza is a war crime uh, it you have to understand that Israel's doctrine that was adopted in 2006, the, uh, the uh, da, Dahiwa, uh, it's named after the West Beirut suburb that was leveled by Israel in 2006, leveled, not because Hezbollah was there, because Israel said, we're going to make everybody pay. That is a literal war crime a literal war crime, collective punishment. And then they enshrined it as their official policy, and they've been doing it in Gaza since 2008, a literal war crime. Israel says there's no such thing as a civilian, nothing. Everybody is viewed as a, that is a war crime. There's no defending this, none. I don't care how pro-Israel you think you are. If you're defending this, you're wrong. 100% wrong. And if you're an American defending it, shame on you. Shame on you. That's not who we are. That doesn't mean you're supporting terrorism. We can have a different discussion whether or not Hamas crosses that threshold and what happened October 7th. But let's just assume for the sake of argument, you say, yes, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Okay. But that doesn't legitimize you going off and doing what you're doing. It's just like what happened on 9-11 doesn't legitimize torture in Guantanamo Bay. But we did it anyways. It's a national embarrassment. It's a disgrace, a stain on our reputation. And what Israel's doing right now in Gaza is a stain on theirs. But the difference is our stain, hopefully we'll be able to wash it off someday. 
the stain that Israel's putting on it might be the mark of death because if Nasrallah makes a certain decision tomorrow, it's over for Israel. I don't think people understand that. Israel is on the brink of not just strategic defeat, but literal nation-destroying defeat. And um, no matter how you feel about Israel, you can't want that. I believe that political Zionism needs to go away. I believe that Israel has to change the way it does business. I believe that the, the day of Israeli exceptionalism uh, is over, that Jews ain't supermen. They aren't the world's super race. They God didn't make them better than you and me. Uh, and if you're an American and you blind to that crap, again, shame on you. You know, all men are created equal, sort of one of the foundational principles of this country. That means all men and women. I'm talking about humanity. Um, we're all equal. Muslims, Christians, Jews. There ain't no superior race. There ain't no covenant between God and the Jews that allows them to do whatever the hell they want to do in Israel. Is there a need for an Israeli state, a Jewish state, a Jewish homeland in the in the Middle East? Some would say yes, and I happen to agree with that. I believe that given the 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 close linkage between the um the the Hebrew faith, the Jewish faith, and the Holy Land, that there is a place for Jews in the Holy Land. And and can that be placed quantified as a state uh where Jewish religion is protected, the Jewish people? Sure, sure it can, but it can't be done at the expense of the Palestinians. That can't happen. And that's what's happening now. That delegitimizes anything you want to think about Israel. And for all those Jewish people out there that are pro-Israel, understand that what you're doing right now is virtually guaranteeing the destruction of the Jewish state. And if this thing goes south, and I mean really south, as in Israel being swamped, which is about to happen, ladies and gentlemen, it's about to happen. Israel's about to get swamped. What you saw in the kibbutzes ain't nothing about what's going to happen. You don't want to see that if you're pro Jewish, if you're Jewish, if you're sympathetic, if you're just a human being, you don't want to see this. Insanity has taken hold in the Middle East. Insanity. And in the White House, Joe Biden should be on the phone right now. Literally, he has a few hours. When Nasrallah gives his speech, if Nasrallah goes the way he goes, we don't know that he is. But if he goes the way he, where he may go, um, it's over. Done. It can stop now, but Biden has to get on the phone to Netanyahu. Two things. One, immediate ceasefire. Immediate ceasefire. Immediate. Stop. Two, Netanyahu, resign. Get the hell out of Dodge. You're finished. Those two things could save the world. Otherwise, Benjamin Netanyahu's narcissistic you know, spree that he's on right now could not only destroy Israel. Guys, it could destroy the world. I mean, to just put two and two together again, because Israel has this thing called the Samson option. And once they get swamped, nuclear weapons will fly. And once nuclear weapons fly, you can't control. You can't tell me you know how this is going to end. You can't tell me that when a nuclear bomb goes off in Tehran, that somewhere in Islamabad, Pakistan, somebody doesn't say, unleash the beast on Israel. Pop, pop, pop. Three nukes, Israel's gone. Everybody's dead. And once that happens, India, not understanding what happened, could end up preempting or you know sending a preemptive strike against Pakistan. <gasps> then the Chinese might get into this, and then we get into it. Then the Russians get it. <laughs> Screw it, man! It's all dead. This might be your last broadcast, Danny. People, the world is literally moving in that direction. This is not 
stuff to be made fun of. The escalation ladder that can take place here is um, is real. I'm scared. You know, it takes a lot to scare me. I'm scared because I'm an analyst, and uh, I I get paid to think through problems and come up with options. And uh, you know, Nasrallah is a smart guy, so let's see what he does tomorrow. I think he understands the consequences, but I also think he understands that he's threading a fine line. I mean, Hezbollah, yeah, they're, Le- they're a Lebanese Shia organization that you know has made its reputation on resistance against Israel, but lately they've been together with Iran. They've been playing the Kuds game, you know, Jerusalem. Um, Al-Aqsa Mosque, we're with our Palestinian brothers, we are one with Hamas and the cause, and they've been saying all this stuff. Now Hamas is at war. The Palestinian people are being murdered as we speak, murdered, slaughtered as we speak. And Nasrallah could very well find himself on the wrong end of you know um, Muslim sentiment, and that's a bad place for Hezbollah to be. Uh, from a Hezbollah perspective, so he has to thread this fine line, and let's let's see what uh, let's see what he does. Yeah, yes, indeed. I mean, uh, what you're speaking of is the huge implications of what Israel is doing right now. And I I was in Vietnam when uh, well, I I was able to cover it a little bit before I went to Vietnam, but it really escalated with talks of the ground operation constantly delayed. Now I believe Israel is doing some kind of uh, piecemeal kind of ground operation with, it seems like Hamas and Palestinian resistance putting up a pretty good fight back. And so with uh, what you're referring to, which is uh, Saeed Hassan uh, Nasrallah's speech coming up tomorrow, head of Hezbollah, whether Hezbollah will formally intervene, they're engaged in some conflict with Israel at the moment along the border. But we've seen Yemen step in, uh, send missiles over the border, hitting what some say are are pretty significantly uh, striking Israel. And now you're also seeing a lot of division in the United States over this. And we're going to I'm going to get to some videos I have in a bit to show this. But what have you made of how things have progressed since October 7th? Because. Right now, we have 10,000-plus Palestinians dead, 4,000-plus children. You have major agencies internationally, human rights groups, calling this a genocide. You have people walking out of UN agencies because what they see is a genocide. How have you viewed this? Because I've seen you very active lately talking about this conflict. And so uh, I'd like your reaction to just what's been going on and how Israel has been conducting itself. Well, first of all, again, we have to understand that um, this this didn't begin on October seventh. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, this this has been going on for decades now, but it's really been going on since two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. That was when uh, Hamas made the transition with Israeli concurrence from a terrorist organization. And look, I. I I was in Israel from 1994 to 1998, uh, off and on, I think 14 trips. Uh, and every time I was there, a terrorist act took place somewhere in Israel, 
committed by Hamas. And these were straight up terrorist acts, bus bombings, suicide bombers at a discotheque, suicide bombers at a restaurant, suicide bombers at a shopping mall, all places that I frequented were very close. So sort of hit home when it goes boom, the glass, you know, fortunately my glass didn't break, other glass did, but you know, the glass rattles, ambulances show up, the blood's on the street, um, you know, yeah, it's there. They're a terrorist organization. You can talk about their cause all you want. I don't care. Terrorist organization. Uh, but in 2005, 2006, they made the transition. Uh, you know, Israel made a decision to uh, withdraw its um, its settlements from Gaza. Um, <laughs> they withdrew the settlements from within Gaza, but then they reinforced the security belt outside Gaza. And people need to understand that the Gaza security belt is a combination of military bases, military fortifications, and fortified kibbutzes. The kibbutzes around Gaza are part of the security belt that strangles Gaza. They are militarized institute. This ain't some Iowa farm, mom and dad out there milking the cows every morning. This is a kibbutz full of, a lot of the soldiers are dormitory there in the kibbutzes. The kibbutzes have military, you know, military style self-security teams uh, that, that patrol are armed. Um, and, and it's part of a system to pin in uh, this. Plus, the kibbutzes are built on land stolen from the Arabs, the relatives of whom live in Gaza. So let's stop pretending that there's a whole bunch of innocent civilians surrounding Gaza. There ain't nothing innocent about the kibbutzes. But since, you know, 2005, Hamas made that transition uh, from terrorist organization into a governing organization, uh, a political party, uh, with the concurrence again and support of Israel. Israel wanted this. Now, why would Israel want this? Because Israel was trying to split the Palestinian uh, movement. They didn't want a singular uh, PLO-driven, Palestinian authority-driven political machine that could negotiate in a single voice in favor of a uh, you know Palestinian state. They wanted to split the Palestinians, so they supported Hamas. Well, Hamas ended up doing pretty good. I think they uh, they won the majority of the seats in the Palestinian parliament. Um, and this prompted a civil war between Hamas and Fatah, the military wing of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Um, Fatah won on the West Bank. Hamas won in Gaza. And uh, Hamas became the, the, the dominating or dominant power in Gaza. Um, and, and so... You know, this this is happening that, you know, this 2006, 2007, when that civil war is taking place in 2006, at the same time that this is happening there, uh, Israel goes to war against Hezbollah. Um, you know, it, it started as a kidnapping of some Israeli soldiers and uh, because Israel was supposed to release a, a Hezbollah prisoner that they didn't meant to be an exchange. It blew out. Israel sort of overreacted the way they did here. We're going to destroy Hezbollah. We're going to annihilate Hezbollah. This is it, the end of Hezbollah. We're going in. They mobilized. They went in and Hezbollah kicked their ass. 33 days later, Israel had to withdraw and say, we can't do it. Um, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a lesson. But part of what happened in 2006 is how the, the, the creation of the Dahiwa uh, principle. Uh, the Israeli commander of the northern uh, the northern command uh, basically said, "We're we're treating every village, every town, every place as hostile. We're taking it out." And they began this process of collective 
punishment. So that's a big date. Um, in 2008, they took the Dathiwa principle to Gaza, where they began punishing uh, the Gazans. And they've been punishing the Gazans ever since in a series of escalating uh, conflicts. 2014 was a big one where Israel made a ground incursion into Gaza, sort of got slapped around a little bit, lost a bunch of guys, had to pull back. They've been 2020, 2021. They had, I think, 2021, uh, something interesting happened. Um, Israel basically, you know, they're very casually averse. They learned their lesson in 2014 that you can't go into Gaza. So they, um, they've been collecting a lot of intelligence information. They built this huge intelligence collection apparatus. They built a wall around uh, Gaza that's de designed to prevent tunnels from going underneath, collecting everything. It's too much data, too much data for the average Israeli intelligence analyst to handle. So they computerized it, they digitized it, and they built artificial intelligence algorithms that were designed to assess the data and make predictions, issue reports. And Israel bragged about this. They said it was the first artificial intelligence war in 2001, uh, 2021, and they held seminars about it. Now, Hamas is sitting there going, really? Artificial intelligence. Tell us more about that. And Israel did because they're bragging about it. They're holding conference after conference, public paper after paper. And Hamas is sitting there taking notes. And what Hamas was able to do because of all this is build a system designed to spoof the computer. And Hamas fooled the computer. The computer was blind. Sometimes you, the, the way you blind a computer is you just do it in the obvious. You know, a lot of criminals will tell you that the easiest way to steal something is just to walk in and steal it. Just do it. Don't try and dress up. To, just act natural. Go in and pretend it's yours and keep going. And most times people won't see it. But if you start looking suspicious, people say, he's looking suspicious. Well, Hamas went, what the hell? Let's just practice storming a kibbutz by building a, a fake kibbutz over here. Everybody's collecting it, but because Hamas is doing it normally, the, the computer's going, nothing to see here, boys. They assaulted it. Nothing to see here, boys. They practiced paraglide operations. Nothing to see here, boys. It's just all in the open. Then they also ran fake communications with the real communications taking place by courier or landline so that the unit 8200 couldn't. Next thing you know, October 7th occurs. Took the Israelis totally by surprise. Not totally. I mean, again, here's the irony of it. The collectors are looking at all this stuff and they're going, hey, boss, we got a problem. They're assaulting a village that looks a lot like the kibbutz that I live in. Um, we're a little worried about that. Boss, they've been running rehearsals up, coming up to the fence. Uh, looks like they're getting, like they're practicing placing explosives. Uh, and they wrote all this report. The night before, on October 6th, going into early morning hours of October 7th, the Israeli high command was meeting. I'm talking about the head of Mossad, the head of Amman, the general staff. They're meeting, reading these reports, because some good intel Israeli intelligence officer said, they're coming over the fence tomorrow, boss. It's all over. And they read it and they read it and read it. And they said, no, nah, man, the computer says no. And we believe that Hamas is bought into peace. We bribed them with 20,000 work permits. They're making money. And, uh, you know, obviously Hamas will never do something like this. Then they said, why don't we go to sleep? We're not going to put anybody on alert. We're not going to call anybody back from the holidays. And we'll talk about it in the morning. Well, in the morning, they were talking about something totally different, which is Hamas coming over the wire. Hamas launched one of the most professional military operations the world has ever seen. Okay, ask the 13th Battalion, the 51st Battalion of the Golani Brigade, if this was a bunch of ragtag terrorists coming over the wall. 
These are two of Israel's so-called elite infantry formations, and they got bitch-slapped by Hamas. Bitch-slapped. Hamas penetrated the wall, I don't know, 24 points, came storming in some places. Of course, they, they got held back. The Israeli, you know, nobody's perfect. They got held back. Other places they penetrated in, they knew exactly when they go. The intelligence was pinpoint perfect, and they slaughtered the Israelis. Uh, one of the goals of Hamas's mission was to take hostages. Why? Because Israel is holding on to 5,000-plus uh, Palestinians in prison. Uh, they haven't been, most of them haven't been charged with a crime. There's no due process taking place. They've just been put in jail. That's not, you know, again, no one talks about that. So Hamas took hostages. The idea was to exchange them. They have a history of doing that kind of exchange. They did it. But the other thing that Hamas was doing is changing the paradigm. You see, what was happening in the lead up to this was the full implementation of the Abrams Accords. That is the agreement negotiated between Donald Trump's presidency, Israel, and the Gulf Arab states. The idea of which is to um, create the conditions for a Palestinian state. But if you read the Abrams Accord, it means there will never be a Palestinian state. It's designed not to have a Palestinian state. It's just political cover so that Israel can normalize relations with the Gulf Arab states, Bahrain, Kuwait, United Arab Emirates, and they were on the verge of signing a normalization agreement with Saudi Arabia. And had that been penned, there would never be a Palestinian state. It was over, never going to happen. Hamas had no choice if they believed in a Palestinian state, if they believed in a future that would have a Palestinian state. They had no choice but to do what they do. And what, what can they do? It's not meant to be a minor attack. It's meant to be attack on the scope and scale of which that Israel would do exactly what Israel is doing right now. Please, people, understand. This ain't an Israeli victory. This isn't Israel flexing. Israel's walking right into the trap set by Hamas. Israel's doing a couple things. One, they're killing a lot of civilians. Uh, look, let's just be straight up honest here. Hamas knew that that was going to happen. Hamas almost wanted that to happen. Um, they needed that to happen. Why? How do you win over international public opinion? By letting Israel drop six 2,000-pound J-dams on a crowded refugee camp. Okay, there's no military justification for that. This is just Israel uh, doing what they always said. They're going to collective punishment. Don't believe a damn word Israel says where they say, oh, there was a Hamas terrorist underground someplace. They didn't know where the guy was. They dropped six 2,000-pound bombs. This isn't precision strike, ladies and gentlemen. This is area bombardment in a very specific area designed to kill a whole bunch of people, and they did. This is what's going on and on and on, and the world has flipped. You don't see large-scale demonstrations in the street for Israel today. You see it for, for Palestine. You see it for Hamas. Hamas has become the hero organization. Hamas has become the resistance organization. Turkey has said, these are Mujahid. These are freedom fighters. These are resistance fighters. They're not terrorists, and the world's buying into this because of Israel's overreaction. And now look at what's happened. Joe Biden very staunch pro-Israel kind of guy, gave a speech where he said, uh, when this is over, we're not returning to October 6th uh, status quo, meaning that the Abraham's Accords are dead. He said there will be a Palestinian state. There has to be a Palestinian state. Hamas has already won the war because that's on the table, but now they have to follow through. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, I don't think Hamas wants Hezbollah to intervene. I don't think Hamas triggered this to kill Israel. Hamas triggered this to get the Abrams Accord killed, uh, to get Israel to the negotiating table. Hamas is told, everybody's going, 
oh, no, this was coordinated with Iran and uh, Hezbollah. No, it wasn't. Hezbollah and Iran didn't know anything about this. They were taken by surprise by this. And you can tell by the way they're reacting. Hamas has said to the Iranians, don't intervene. We got this under control. We're not panicking. We know what we're doing. We're bringing them in, and then we're going to chew them up, and they're going to have to leave. They're going to leave because we're kicking their ass, and they're going to leave because the world is turning on them. And then the end result, we get a Palestinian state. But Hezbollah and Iran have you know, built up this whole notion that they are backing the Palestinian people, and now they're stuck. They're stuck with, in between a narrative because if they don't do something, they're seen as being weak. The Hamas becomes the heroes. They become lesser. It's a very, very dangerous situation. But if for a minute you think that Hamas is a terrorist organization and Israel is the aggrieved party, you know nothing about the history of this conflict. First of all, the Russian ambassador to the United Nations was 100% correct. Israel doesn't get to talk self-defense. You don't get to talk self-defense when you're the occupier. You don't get to say, I'm defending myself from the occupied. Whatever um, Israel is responding to that they're calling a threat, it can't derive from within the territory that's being occupied. The International Criminal Court, or the, the International Justice Court in 2004 made this very clear. Israel does not get to cite self-defense. They can't cite self-defense. They can't cite military necessity um, because they're the wrong, they're on the wrong side of history here. And you know, we also have to be careful about all these allegations out there. You know, if you go back and study World War One, when the Germans marched through Belgium, uh, there was this whole thing of atrocity uh, propaganda taking place where, you know, the Germans were slitting open the bellies of the Belgian women, raping the Belgian nuns, so bayoneting the Belgian children. None of it was true. None of it was true. And now the Israelis are out there saying this, that, and the other thing happened. Uh, no, ladies and gentlemen, don't believe it. Wait, Scott, I've seen the building with the burned bodies. Yeah, but you know that that building was struck by tank fire, not uh, you know Hamas fire. That the head of security for the largest kibbutz, uh, Barry, I think it was, uh, has said that they, the Israeli IDF came in with tanks and was taking down the building, slaughtering our own people. There's a survivor who said, I was in a house with 20 Jewish hostages eight Hamas guys. Hamas guys wanted to surrender. The Israelis hit us with tank fire, killing eight Hamas guys, 18 Jews, one Israeli survivor is wounded. I'm the only one who came out clean. This is the truth. Those those uh, kids that were out there in the rave, you know, I say kids, half of them were active duty Israeli the Defense Force people out there partying. And the other half had just gotten out of the Israeli Defense Force. These are military age people. Many of them were armed. Um, there was a huge crossfire between Israeli security forces and Hamas right. I was say that, in the yeah. middle. And the vast majority of the people that died that day weren't killed by Hamas. So let's just, let's just knock this crap off. Okay. Israel right now is running a huge propaganda exercise, trying to win over the world and it ain't working. It ain't working. Thank you for tuning in to my latest video. I appreciate all of your support. This channel, however, needs your help. I am seeking to make this channel more sustainable in the long term and upgrade necessary equipment to ensure that this work continues onward and makes progress to give you all of the geopolitical analysis that you all deserve. 
For that reason, I'm asking you to become a member of my Patreon community at patreon.com slash dannyhaifong. You can find that link in the video description or in the pinned comment below. For whatever amount you choose to give, just know you are supporting independent media that you can't find anywhere else. Thank you so much and I look forward to the next video.